That's going to, I think, change the game. The environment was very toxic. It was an incredibly isolating experience. Has um, not been free from drama. But you really actually had it all. I just couldn't do it anymore. Treatments which were very traumatic and intense. My doctor dumped me. That's a fight that shouldn't be had. I felt like I was dying at multiple points. It can change the world. I tried to give it up for a long time. I think I'm dying and I think you're leaving me to die. We have to be reactive, we've got to be reactive. Hi, I'm Anya. And I'm Tiffany. And this is The Adaptable CEO. This isn't another boring business podcast. It's chaotic. We thought having a disability was challenging enough. But then we started a business, Multiple Impact. We are disability proud entrepreneurs who want to share with you the good, the bad and the ugly of it all as we start new ventures and grow the ones we already have. Come and join us for the ride. We hope you stick around. I can't believe this is our first episode. It is very exciting. I can't believe we're actually here. We are together and we are filming and recording our first episode. So for anyone that doesn't know, Tiffany and I have known each other for, what is it, maybe almost six months now. Yep. And we have been building a business called Against the Grain Coffee since about July. Yeah, June, no, July. June. It's been June. June. July. And I live in Melbourne and Anya lives on the sunny coast. So we have been doing everything up until now. What are we? August 29th remotely until a couple of days ago where we finally met in person. How wild. Yep. It has been (laughs) a wild ride. I feel like I have known Tiffany for forever. It is ridiculous thinking it's been about six months. Um, I think everyone can probably relate that time feels very warped since COVID, um, but this feels even more warped. And we have just spent the last five days or so in the most beautiful Airbnb together, um, working mostly, having fun. Mostly. Mostly. But I don't know if anyone else can relate, but I've found that when I've gone away with people, You kind of want to kill them after being in the same space (gasps) with them. Don't say that about me. No. But I haven't felt that with you. Oh, I haven't felt that about you either. That's good. Hopefully you don't go (laughs) home and you're like, well, actually. Thank God. Five days with Enya. Jeez. But (laughs) I think building a business together, it's so important that you have a good relationship with your co-founder. Absolutely. And And it was important we bonded in person because it was quite an unconventional way of starting a business with someone you haven't physically met in person. And honestly, we hadn't really spoken that much. We had exchanged a few emails, you know, with Champion, your agency, uh, which is how we first connected and met. But yeah, when you approached me with business idea and what it was all about and its purpose, I just couldn't say no. And I'm so glad you didn't (laughs) say no. So for everyone listening, we might use this episode to go a little into the backstory of how we met and how we got to this point. Um, Because this podcast, we really want to venture into what are the businesses that we're building at the moment. Um, We want this to be an opportunity for us to really build it in public, to be really vulnerable with you all um, and for you to come along this ride with us, be part of our community, to contribute to building this so it's as much yours as it is ours. So looking back to when you were a child, Tiff, Yeah. What did you actually want to be when you grew up? I always wanted to have my own business. I know that sounds so cliche and almost scripted, but it's totally true. 
Um, I would enter like business plan competitions in high school and always dream of opening like a clothing store or just being my own boss. I just don't work well with other people as in being told what to do. No, we work well together. But yeah, I just always wanted to have my own business. So what about you? Well, for me, it was a little bit different. So for those of you that don't know, I was born with my disability. Um, So at 28 weeks of my mother's pregnancy, she went in, she had a scan and she was told that um, they couldn't see the stomach. Um, of her baby and then the next day she went in for another scan and they were actually able to diagnose my condition called Vactral Association um, which affects all these different bodily systems and we can go into that in probably another episode or later this episode however it evolves but I basically spent the first five years of my life in the medical system um, in and out of hospital really rapidly and then from 15 onwards, I was also basically in and out of hospital like it was my second home. Mm-hmm. And because of all of that, I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up. That was my dream. And actually, more specifically, a paediatrician um, because I understood what it was like to be a sick child. And I thought that that was the best way that I could give back to the world um, and make an impact. So I was, I think, very impact driven. Um, but I didn't really necessarily see that being in business necessarily. But in saying that, both of my parents ran a business. So I grew up in a business because when you're a sick child or in my experience of being a sick child, no childcare centres would take you because they were too scared of your medical needs. Yeah. Um, so I was growing up on the floor of a business and working out how my parents ran that business and contributing, answering phones, those sorts of things and was a little bit entrepreneurial as I grew up, like starting my own dog walking businesses and things like that. Um, Amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. I liked to make money. Um, As we all do. Yeah. Impact and making money was um, very exciting for me as a child. I love that. I love that so much. And yeah, we will definitely in a future episode or later on in this ep, we will, you know, touch on and talk more about our disabilities and our you know experience with chronic illness and how that's affected us but yeah I think for me I didn't start getting sick till I was about 21 so I was working in product development in the fashion industry Um, I was very highly driven highly strong some might say um, which probably contributed a little bit to you know, crashing and burning and, and falling sick. But yeah, I got Lyme disease and for the past seven years or so have really gone on a journey with my relationships, my career, my sense of self. It's really been a whole a whole thing, a whole journey as I'm sure you can relate to Anya and maybe some of you guys listening can relate to as well. Um, Yeah, I don't think for either of us our 20s has been easy, but um, especially for you, Anya, yeah, your whole life you've had, um, you know, quite severe issues with your health and, but I must say you've overcome a lot of challenges and, yeah, it's all you know, come together to sort of bring you to where you are today and really making a difference um, as a disability advocate and with everything else that you're about to endure with 
you know, the process of starting new businesses. Thank you so much. And I think particularly as women and young women, we're so conditioned to compare ourselves and compare so many different things. And I think growing up and especially growing up being sick, um, it was an incredibly isolating experience. And I had a lot of time to reflect. And I feel like because I've grown up sick my whole life, I've never known any different. Um, And that's almost been a strength for me because I've while there were times where I thought that this wouldn't be my life and where I thought that I would be able to live a normal life, whatever that means, um, I was quite adapted to things not being normal for me and having to do things differently. Um, But for you, like you said, you got sick in your early 20s. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that period of time looked like just before you got sick? So did you finish high school and then go to uni, get a job? What, What was it like? Yeah, so I did finish high school. I finished with quite a good score. I decided to study fashion merchandising. I did that for a year and then I transferred to international business, got my degree um, and then I did a couple of internships and I was very lucky to land my sort of quote-unquote dream job um, pretty much towards the end of university Um, So I was working in that career for maybe two years before I really got sick, but I I did really enjoy it. I was lucky enough to be able to travel overseas for work and um, really be involved in the companies I was working in, um, on the creative teams, and I did love it, but I'd say the environment was very toxic. The people I was working with, you know, I didn't really gel with. I didn't really feel like they were my sorts of people, but I thought I'll just keep pressing on. I had, you know, big goals. I was in a relationship at the time, a long-term relationship. I purchased a property with my dad as an investment. So this was all pretty much 20, 21 years of age. So I think I accomplished quite a bit at a very young age, but I put a lot of pressure on myself, like a lot. And I was always comparing myself to other people my age and often older people, um, which is not great, but we all do it. We're all guilty of that. But yeah, then I got sick and it was a huge, you know, reality check, wake up call to what's really important in life and gosh I do not take my health for granted now not for one second health family friends you know material things come and go money comes and goes but your health is truly priceless I feel like especially from the outside looking in like you did mention that there were toxic people in that work environment and that if you scratch the surface, yeah, it may not necessarily have been totally perfect, but really you were kicking absolutely every goal. I don't mm. know many 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds, even 30-year-olds that have all of those things that, that you just mentioned, you know, the relationship, the house, the job that they want, mm. all of that perfect package wrapped up, but you really actually had it all. Yeah, I guess on the outside it looked like I had it all but I was still comparing myself. I still wasn't content. I started getting a lot of anxiety. And then, you know, the physical symptoms of my Lyme disease started um, to show and rear their ugly head. Um, And yeah, that was quite difficult at the start. And then 
about a year into my symptoms, I just couldn't do it anymore. I had to resign. And then, yeah, I was, you know, unemployed for good five, six years. Had little tiny casual jobs I tried to pick up for a couple of months. But, yeah, I could never sustain anything because I was so unwell, yeah, until recently. For people listening, what actually is Lyme disease and how debilitating was it for you, especially at its absolute worst? You mentioned that, you know, after a year you just couldn't do it anymore. So how are those symptoms progressing and what did it look like and how did you experience it? Yeah, this is a hard question because I can say my story, but everyone's experience with Lyme disease is so, so different and everyone's immune systems are so different and, you know, deal with the disease in different ways. Um, So Lyme disease is basically contracted through a tick bite or through another insect, mosquitoes, bedbugs, anything vector-borne. And sort of after a certain point, if left untreated, which... Most of the time it is left untreated because you don't even realise you've been bitten by a tick or, you know, mosquito bites just seem harmless, bed bugs just, you know, you just deal with them and seem harmless. I did do a lot of travelling before I got sick as well um, in throughout Europe. Um, so I'm not sure exactly where I contracted it, but, yeah, after about like a four-week mark after being bitten, the bacteria sort of is very difficult to treat and it morphs and I won't go into complete scientific, um, you know, how it affects you. But, yeah, it gets into your joints, your tissues, your brain, can affect every organ of your body and sort of the symptoms I don't want to say are similar to chronic fatigue um, because that's not the case for everyone. But for me... My symptoms have been similar to, you know, put on the, under the umbrella of chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, you know, chronic pain, brain fog, um, you know, I've got gut issues, issues with my eyes, issues with my jaw, lots of things. I had headaches, migraines, seizures, just so many things, sporadic things, issues with my mood. Anxiety and depression obviously come as a, you know, not only an effect of the disease itself, but also just, you know, coping mechanisms of, you know, not not being well um, really do affect your mental health. Um, So, yeah, it's affected my nervous system, my sleep, a whole lot of things at varying severities throughout the years. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey there is definitely so much to unpack there and I know that any one of those symptoms can be so incredibly debilitating but experiencing all of them, especially all of them at the same time, there's no wonder that you had to leave work and especially how hard that would have been um, and I think it's really important to acknowledge, especially for people listening that may not have an awareness of Lyme, um, that in Australia it's not recognized and that creates so many more barriers to getting treatment and getting access and I think that's something that's really important for us to discuss in another episode. 100% Um, yeah. And that even though you know you've listed things like chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia there are so many barriers for people with those conditions especially women to access treatment so add that layer of it not being recognized um, and it's 
yeah, an absolute nightmare. So I have no oh, idea. another about, episode. <laughs> yeah, what you've what you've been through. We'll be we'll be sitting here for hours to talk about that one. Yeah. Um. But moving on, you know, with your career. So you've become really sick. You've had to leave work. Um. And you still have this dream of starting a business one day. Yeah. So I know a lot about your story. Um, so you decided to obviously you needed to try and get some sort of treatment. So can you um, tell the people listening a little bit about what sort of treatment you got and what the kind of turning point for you was to decide to focus on your next step in business um, and put that sort of treatment stuff on hold? Yeah, absolutely. So Oh, it was quite a roller coaster. Once being diagnosed, the only doctor that was really able to treat me was on the Gold Coast. So I had to go up to the Gold Coast every three months as a requirement, like a legal requirement. Um, I had to see him in person. I was on lots of oral antibiotics, IV antibiotics, hypothermia treatments, which were very traumatic and intense. I did about 11 of those sessions um, on the Gold Coast here in Australia. Um, yeah, and throughout my treatment with that doctor, I think for about two years or so, roughly, I could be not very accurate there, I think about two-ish years, um, I got very unwell. I got a lot worse. I was not getting better. And then basically my doctor dumped me <laughs> and said, look, I'm so sorry, there's don't even think he said sorry actually it's like there's there's not much else I can offer you here within the realm of what um he could prescribe me you know that was approved for use um on people with Lyme disease here in this country so I had no choice but to go overseas for treatment um I felt like I was at my wit's end I felt like I was dying at multiple points it was very uh difficult on myself and my family especially. So yeah, I went overseas, long story short, I went to Cyprus for ozone treatment. Um, That didn't really help. And then about a year and a half ago, I went over to Switzerland to see another doctor. That was an experience within itself, (laughs) I can go into in another episode. And then, yeah, about last year, I thought, you know what, I need a break from all this treatment that isn't really helping I did I I did improve though over the years it did slowly improve thank god but I thought look I'm at a point where I can put the treatment aspect aside for a minute and I'm just going to live a bit try and live within my symptoms within my means you know and focus on my nervous system more so that's not dismissing that I'm not saying at all that my symptoms were in my head or anything like that but I just felt like my nervous system was so in overdrive from everything I had been through so I took a step back took a break started focusing on little things that brought me joy Um, so I started a little well, I'd say side hustle, but it wasn't really my side hustle. It was like my main hustle because I didn't have a job. <laughs> so I started a gift box business selling low-tox, gluten-free and vegan gift boxes online. So that was where I really picked up my entrepreneurial spirit again. And, yeah, that really helped my mental health and then my physical health a little bit too. It sort of rubbed off on each other. So that's been great. Yeah, I just before we talk a little bit more about your gift box business um I'd like to just touch on that thing that you mentioned about 
just trying to give your nervous system a bit of a break and not necessarily mm. focusing on the treatment and all of that. Um, and that not meaning that it's not like, in, or that it's in your head. Yeah. Because I think that's a really important thing to focus on. Um, I feel like a lot of people with chronic illness can go through this and um, with disabilities, it's so exhausting to focus on, you know, we have to treat, we have to treat, we have to go to doctors, we have to go to doctors. It drains yeah. so much energy. Um, yeah. And it's not saying don't do it because, like, yes, you have to. I get it more than any other person you, get, you have yeah. to. Like, I call it the medical merry-go-round um, mm. and I'm constantly on it. I can't get off it. Um, yeah. But I it, just, as you're saying that, the experience really resonated with me. And um, for anyone that follows me on social media, they would have seen that back in um, 2021, especially I had lost a really significant amount of weight. And there was just so much focus on me putting on weight. And I had a feeding tube. I was eating, it must have been like 3,000 or 4,000 calories a day. Like as I slept, I had, you know, all these calories going into me through the feeding tube. And then when I woke up, I was just eating, 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 eating. Um, Like I had so much McDonald's and KFC. Like the nutrition requirements probably weren't great, but the calories were so high. Um, and when I used to, you know, not eat enough, like if I went, you know, an hour or two or three without eating, I'd start to get really stressed and really like anxious about it because I was like, I'm going to waste away more. I'm going to waste away more. I need to eat. I need to eat. I need to eat. It would have been horrible. Like it would have felt like your full-time job. Yeah. And then I'd go, like I kept weighing myself over and over and seeing that I hadn't gained weight. I felt like a failure. Um, and then, you know, I'd have to go to the doctors and, They'd think that I wasn't eating or that I was lying about it or whatever and I just couldn't put it on again and they were talking to me about all these ways that I could eat more or supplement or add more calories or whatever and it was so frustrating and my whole life suddenly started to revolve around food. Um, yeah, how did you deal with that mentally? Because you couldn't just be like me and be like, no, nah, screw this, I'm taking a step back, I'm not seeing any more doctors. Like I was so fortunate to be able to do that with my symptoms at the time but for you that was just wasn't an option so how did you sort of separate that in your mind between like what you had to do to literally stay alive but also so you didn't go insane well honestly in the end I got to my absolute lowest weight And they'd just taken my feeding tube out and I was like, I think that you should put it back in. Like, I know that it's not working, but I think I'm dying and I think you're leaving me to die. And I was genuinely so scared. Um, And I, yeah, again, kept eating, 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 but it was all that I was focusing on. Um, And then one day I just thought like, food is actually what I love and it's taken all the enjoyment out of it. Mm. So I... I kind of did what you did and I didn't really have the ability to but I thought like I honestly thought I'm gonna die anyway (laughs) so I was like well (laughs) fuck it (laughs) basically basically (laughs) and so I just thought I'm just gonna stop focusing on on this I'm gonna stop focusing on this being such a problem I'm gonna stop focusing on that I'm so scared that I'm wasting away yeah I'm just gonna relax about it I thought maybe maybe for some reason I need to be this weight for whatever Mm. I don't know maybe this is my new normal, whatever. Mm. And so I just relaxed. I just ate what I wanted. When I was hungry, it was probably about the same as what it was when I was eating a lot anyway. Mm. Um, And then I gradually just put on a bit of weight. Like I'm still around 10 kilos less than what I was 
properly, but yeah. I maybe put on about five to six, well, actually eight kilos from my lowest point. That's amazing. Um, yeah, but thinking that I was, what, 18 kilos down from what my lowest point was and I was con- telling them that I was dying and they did nothing. Yeah, um, sometimes you, you sometimes have to be your own advocate and I think that's an important message we're going to really push on this podcast um, is that, you know, our experiences aren't rare. So no. many people, even if you don't have a chronic illness or disability. No, and I think... That's really why we've called this podcast The Adaptable CEO because there's so much focus on disability being, you know, you're less than or you're less capable or whatever and, you know, when the ability is highlighted in disability, it's highlighted as, oh, but you still have some ability and no, I like, no, I just don't like it that way and I think that way is actually really ableist Mm. Um, and I think how we want to talk about it is that adaptable like our disabilities have made us adaptable it's made us able to adapt to any situation 100 percent. and in business that's what you need you need to adapt to things changing and moving and going all wrong the time. how many times has things yeah. gone wrong <laughs> with our health and we've just have to had to pivot find a new doctor find a new treatment try this try that you just have to because you have no choice exactly. and i think when you relate that to business a lot of people give up right at the get-go before they've even started. And I think that people with disability, yes, we're 43% more likely to be entrepreneurs, but we don't necessarily get the same opportunities to access funding and all these other things. Absolutely we have the skills. We have the attitude. We have the ability. Unfortunately, there's no other word for that, um, (laughs) to to do it and to do it really well and probably to do it even better because the more business books, the more business podcasts, the more things that you listen to, you realise that when you've experienced any adversity, when you have those traits, um, you actually... uh, Propels you. Yeah, propels you. Further. Born to succeed. Um, So I'm so excited to get into all of that, to speak to guests, to speak to each other, to see if this little formula works in our favour. Um, I'm hoping it, it, will. it will. It will. It will. <laughs> it will. We need your help. Buy our products. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, Literally. Yes. Yes. We, we are not joking, unfortunately. Um, we have not launched them yet, but <laughs> they're coming. Yes, they're coming. They, they are coming. Has um, not been free from drama. No, no. You know, um, yeah, we haven't even told yeah. the people what products. Yes. We are launching, what product we're launching together, and then yes, what you're launching. Absolutely. So, the middle bit of the story. <laughs> so <laughs> like, the middle bit of the story. Gone um, on so many tangents. Yes, get so used many to tangents. <laughs> Hope you guys. We will. We will circle back. Tangent people. Um, okay. So. You started Consider Me Box. This is the gift box company. A few quick yeah. questions, quick fire questions, yeah. quick answers. Yeah. Let's go. I'll see how good I am at this. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm on it. No I'm pressure. On it. <laughs> All right. All right. What is Consider Me Box? So we are an online gift box business that sells gluten-free, vegan and organic gift boxes all around Australia we deliver to and we support Lyme Disease Australia by donating $1 from each box sold to the charity. It's obviously a cause very close to my heart and I really want to give back with the business. Perfect. Perfect. 
And she did not even read that. There's oh, nothing There's nothing written down. Know. That was perfect. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So What's the next quick fire question? I only had one. Oh, okay. <laughs> and what about you, Anya? Yes. Tell me about Champion because that's yes. how we connected. So. What is Champion? What is Champion? So Champion is um, Champion Health Agency, CHA. Um, I have heard a million different variations of what people actually think my business name is, which is so funny to me. Just like every time it's just like a knife through my heart. Um, I'm joking. I'm not that sensitive. I'm like actually very sensitive. (laughs) I'm I'm not really joking. Um, So we're a talent agency for lived experience. Um, So our goal really is to professionalise the lived experience of people with disability and chronic illness and carers. for them to be able to make meaningful change, but also to improve their social and economic participation. Um, So the people that we represent get work as speakers or doing professional development or diversity, equity, inclusion training, um, writing in research, all different varieties of work, um, which is really, really exciting. A lot of the people that we represent are on the disability support pension, and this is a way for them to make some additional income Um, And hopefully eventually with a view of being able to make enough income um, to propel themselves off the disability support pension. Um, So we really recognise that so many people with disability, including myself, and this is where this um, business really came from, are unable to work, um, which really sucks. And saying, you know, unable or not possible, all of that, like... Because we want to work, trust me. (laughs) How many times people have said, like, to me... Oh, it must be so good just to like sit at home all day and like What's chill Netflix? out. Oh yeah, for six years straight. Yeah, amazing. Even, Being sick. Find shows on Netflix anymore, and I work <laughs> all the time. I promise. Um, but yeah, it's it's because so like I think it was forty five percent of the people with disability that are not employed. The reason for that is because they're too sick. Mm. And you tell me how you can actually get a job when you go to hospital all the time Mm. or when you don't know if you're going to wake up and be able to get out of bed that day or when you have appointments that are scheduled whenever or when you have an appointment at the hospital, you have to wait for four hours. That means that you can't go to the work that entire day. Yeah. Um, I know that there's so much around, oh, you know, accommodations in the workplace. Let's be real. Tell me what workplace (laughs) makes these accommodations. And, And so many people say, oh, but now you can work from home since COVID. Uh, look, it just doesn't work for me. I've tried it and it just doesn't because it doesn't no. work for so many people. But I couldn't even look at, at my laptop. I don't think I opened my laptop for like longer than two minutes for about two years because I just physically couldn't look at the screen. It would just make me so sick. So that was up until maybe a year ago, year and a half ago. So how am I supposed to work from home in that condition? <laughs> Exactly. And I think what I've come to realise, and it's taken me a long time, really until sometime this year, is that you have to have a little bit of a balance with your life in there. And, you know, I've been trying to learn how to surf, not successfully at all. You have to teach me. It'll be a disaster. (laughs) We need to film it. (laughs) Yeah, we we will show you. Um, But if I try and go surfing in the morning, for example, like I will spend just even 30 minutes in the water. Mm. 
I will be in complete total pain. I will come oh, home. Yeah. My blood pressure, even though I'm on beta blockers to lower it, will be through the roof. Yeah. And I will feel like I'm on my deathbed for the rest of the day, if not tomorrow as well. Yeah. And then I think to myself, oh, it probably wasn't even worth it going and trying to surf. It probably wasn't. Beat yourself up about yeah, it. Yeah, maybe it wasn't worth it to even try and ha- live a life, you yeah. know. But then I can't work. And reality, time, I can't, it? you know, be on my laptop, whatever else. Yeah. But then, so then old me used to be like, well, then I won't, I won't ever go surf. I won't yep. ever go do that. New me is like, okay, I'll balance it. I might not do it all the time, but yep. I actually need to live my life maybe a bit more. If this is something that I enjoy, which I'm not sure if I do enjoy it yet, I will let you know. <laughs> um, but then I, I need to do it. Absolutely. Um, For your mental health, even if it's, in a reduced, you know, time frame, like five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. That, that I wouldn't even get my surfboard from <laughs> the disabled car park down to the water <laughs> in five minutes. <laughs> These are the I dilemmas. Can... These are the dilemmas. Yes, yes. So anyway, that was a really long <laughs> way of saying. Tangent. Again. That <laughs> people with disability, I believe, yeah. need to have opportunities to do work as contractors. 100%. Not casual employment, not part-time, not full-time. Yeah. You have to be flexible. So you can say, I want you to write this piece in as a two-week deadline. If you write it at 3 a.m. when you've got insomnia, do it then. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Exactly. But we will pay you enough that you can pay your rent for the yeah. week with that writing piece. Done. Such an amazing concept. Like I had when I came across your agency online, I had never heard of anything like that and I don't know what possessed me I I had just started to feel comfortable again with talking about my experience I was like you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna sign up I had an interview with you and I thought this is what I want to do like this is so great this is like I really wanted to inspire people and I wasn't working at the time so of course you know one I needed an income and I thought yeah this is just such an incredible opportunity and if you go on Anya's the Champion Health Agency website and you read the profiles of all these amazing people and their stories and the work and the advocacy work they've been able to do through Champion. It's just amazing. You've changed people's lives, so many of them. Thank you. I just think that they're all out there changing people's lives. There is so much power in lived experience. You don't so much have to have an education. You don't have to have work experience. It is lived experience. It's its yeah. whole other domain. It can't be bought. It can't be taught. It's just so powerful. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, no one wants to get it, really. No. Like You don't want to have to sit in no. an emergency department. Definitely like, don't you know, years of your life to have to understand what it's like to then have to use it for yeah for a job. But these people have that experience, so we need to be using it as a resource exactly. and paying them what's fair to do that. Um, but I think what really evolved for me was that a service business is hard. Mm. It comes down to that. Yeah. And running a service business is hard and while you're not well yeah because ultimately it's always going to rely on me and it's always going to rely on my health and yeah. my health isn't good and it's never going to be good as much as I can go to doctors visualize do whatever yeah it's, it's never going to be good um and that's difficult to accept and knowing that I'm never going to get better because it's not a sickness it's actually a disability yeah. 
Um, so I think understanding taking that in different paths that I was really sick of as well, fighting people to pay people yeah. with disability, people with chronic illness, what they're worth, because that's a fight that shouldn't be had. And it was something that was really re-traumatising me. And it's not meaning that I'm giving up on my business at all, but it's meaning that I need to think in a more innovative way about how to bring, how to take it forward. Um, so we are changing to a charity structure. We are bringing on a really exciting board of directors um, and we are exploring how to automate it through tech or through however um, mm. to make it more successful um, and expand its reach. So that's something that's been going on in the background, but how we are here, not only through Champion, but we were, or I was approached by an investor um, with a really exciting opportunity to actually start a product-based business. And this was really exciting to me because I believe that a lot of the work that I do, even though I try to get it beyond disability, it's only to the people that already care about disability. Mm. But if you can sell a product that everyone needs and that everyone would usually buy every day, then you actually have the potential to reach like the general community. And if you can attach that product that's already pretty good or already perfect and you don't have to necessarily do a lot of product development or finessing it um, and you can attach it to a powerful story and a powerful message and a message about breaking stigmas around disability, um, it can change the world is really what I, what I believe, yeah. what I hope. Yep. So we thought about two products about what people would use. So one of them is toilet paper um, for a lot of reasons. One, What's the story with the toilet paper? Because there's a story. I think there are, there are a lot of stories that kind of come together. Um, mm. One is that it's a product that everyone uses every single day. Like there's a great B2B play um, and a B2C play. And for those listening that don't know what B2B and B2C is, um, it's business to business and business to consumer. So we can sell to other businesses and we can sell just directly to um, the general population. But for me... Um, I have a ton of bowel issues as part of my business. As part of my business, I have a ton of bowel <laughs> issues. Yeah, clearly business podcast, I'm focused. Um, I have a ton of bowel issues as part of my medical condition. Um, I was born without an anal opening and had to have a reconstruction. And so as a result of that reconstruction, I don't have an anal sphincter. I don't have muscles. I don't have nerves. Um, and so I've had lifelong bowel incontinence as well. And one in four Australians are actually incontinent, which is a really high number. No one talks about it. No one talks um, about that. I don't even think I have heard you tell me that stat. That's crazy because there's such a stigma about talking about incontinence. Absolutely. And so there's that element that that kind of links to toilet paper for me. Yeah. Um, I just think that also... When you go to the bathroom, it's one of the only opportunities of the day to just be alone, to <laughs> contemplate, to just have some space from the world. How and many times when you've been at work, wherever that's, whatever that's looked like to you, <laughs> and it's just been full on and crazy, and you just go to the bathroom a couple more times throughout the day than you probably should, you just sit there and you just breathe. I know I did that quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I just think that. If you can get people thinking about disability every time they go to the toilet, it's not the best 
like situation, sure. But it's a lot better and it's a lot more frequent than they'll be thinking about disability currently. So that's my play. We'll see how it goes. But something else that I've noticed, um, and that was pointed out when we posted on Instagram about the two businesses that we're starting. Because we're not only starting toilet paper, but what we're starting together and why you're up in Brisbane. Yep. We're starting a coffee business. Which I am so happy about because I love coffee. One of the reasons why I couldn't be the face of the coffee business was because I don't drink coffee. Mm. So it's a little bit embarrassing for me. But I swear the coffee tastes incredible, the coffee that we're doing. I promise you. It really does. I'm so excited. The reason why, honestly, is because <laughs> coffee gives me diarrhoea. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it does that, that for everybody I've seen. It, yeah, I've oh, seen. yeah. It really helps get things moving. Like when I have actually been in workplaces around people, they drink a morning coffee and oh, then they go to the toilet, to the toilet for like 20 minutes. So what else are they going to be doing in there? <laughs> like I've worked things out. I'm a smart person. <laughs> so it's a pretty good business package, I think. Coffee and then toilet, toilet paper. paper. So we'll give you a discount code if you're listening to this podcast <laughs> and you want to buy them together. We've got you. Don't worry. Absolutely. <laughs> So, yeah. do you want to tell us? I'll just quickly finish on the toilet paper. Yeah, it's 100% recycled. It's Australian wow. made, and 50% of profits are going to go to our disability charity um, that we're setting up that I just mentioned. So, it is going to be very exciting. It's FSC certified. Toilet um, paper with a purpose. Everyone. Toilet paper with a purpose. We need more businesses with purpose. I feel yes. like a lot of businesses out there sort of. Sort of like the equivalent, like greenwashing. What would you call it? I would just say it's greenwashing. Greenwashing, isn't it? And I think my issue with a lot of the kind of profit for purpose companies or social enterprise sector, whatever, or the kind of companies that greenwash is that, and I guess it can't always be led by the community that it's impacted by. Mm. But the community that it's impacted by don't really have a big voice in the company or what the company does. 100%. I understand it can't always be founded by that community. Yeah. I totally understand that. But I think the strength of what we're doing is that we are members of the community that that it's serving. That's it. Disability We will always make sure that the voice of the disability community is integral in our products and services. Um, And I think disability-led, disability-owned business... It doesn't really exist. Unless well, it, you're selling on Etsy or eBay. Like, that's been my experience of knowing disability-led businesses has been people selling T-shirts online, which is amazing. But, like, why not give those people a platform to reach even more people and have the resources that, you know, other people and other businesses do to be able to reach a larger audience and sell their products on a mass scale. Absolutely. I think the disability-owned and led businesses that do exist, the general population doesn't know about them. Yeah. I know a handful, maybe a handful, when I really stop and think about it. Yeah. And I'm a member of the disability community. I'm a disability yeah. advocate. I'm connected to a lot of people. For years and years. And it's that been is why I know work. them. If I asked even my parents or my Mm. family or my other friends, they wouldn't know them. No. And that's what absolutely sucks. And I don't have a better word than sucks. Yeah. But it just does. And like being able to get those people and their products as well out to the general community, that's going to, I think, change the game. Absolutely. And I think we've seen it happen with Indigenous business. 
Yes. Which is so exciting and so important. Such a great example. That there are like procurement targets. And for those who don't know about procurement processes, it's where, you know, for example, the government says that like they go out and they buy, you know, um, products or services from different companies. Um, They say just, for example, you know, 5% of what we procure has to be from an Indigenous business. I believe that disability procurement or procurement targets will be set. They'll be set very soon. You've heard it here first. Yeah. The coffee. Tell me about the coffee. (laughs) The coffee is so exciting. So, yeah, it's co-founded by myself and Anya. But, yeah, I will be the face. I love coffee. Maybe it's the, you know, the chronic fatigue symptoms in me. I tried to give it up for a long time, but it's my little piece of joy in the morning. And it does get things moving. So... Bonus. Definitely is a bonus. So we are coming out with three blends and a single origin. Um, and we are so, so excited. Um, they're going to be beautifully packaged. Our website is going to be amazing. We're also going to have a subscription-based option for people to get their coffee more regularly so they don't have to think about it because nothing is worse than realising you've run out of coffee or you've got a couple of days left and you're busy, you're rushing out the door, then you realise, shit, I need more coffee. And then you've got to buy the cheap stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and, yeah, B2B and B2C. Yes, so definitely if you both. you a local cafe that you want um, them to support disability-led business. Yep. It's going to be beautiful packaging. You want it in your workplace. Yep. Um, majority female supply chain, which is yeah. really exciting. So we're supporting women in a range of different countries that we're sourcing our beans from. So we are very, very excited. Um, there's a lot to look forward to. But we have also had a few hiccups, which we will share with you in the next episode because obviously it's not all rainbow <laughs> and sunshines and unicorns and lollipops and all the things that, of course, we all love. We Poppies, were supposed like. <laughs> to be planning before we came to the podcast studio today. We, we were like, okay, let's plan a couple more episodes out. We had our laptops, we had a cafe, had our food. We were just about to start. Prepping and planning and then more shit hit the fan with, yeah, the behind the scenes, which, you know, we really want to show you guys that it's not going to be smooth sailing and that's okay. But we push on, we push through, we deal with things as they come. We are proactive, hopefully most of the time. When we have to be reactive, we've got to be reactive. (laughs) Proactive and reactive (laughs) are the only (laughs) kinds of active that I am. Yeah. Uh, well thank you so much for joining us for our very first episode we can't wait for you to continue to tune in um and keep up with all of the tangents that we go on oh there will be many we are trying (laughs) to keep up ourselves so we can't even keep up with ourselves yeah look after ourselves (laughs) yes (laughs) well until next time 